Well, greetings in the name of Jesus from Waterworks Mennonite Fellowship. It warms my heart, like usual, when I look across this congregation and I see your smiling faces and love for Jesus. It can't, it can hardly get better than this, right? One observation. Nothing to do with the bench. Adults about the same. Not much change. But the children, I think they're on steroids as far as growth. The adolescents becoming youth and the little ones becoming adolescents. That's just a reminder of time. And it's hard to believe that it will be two years till February that uh, Waterworks started. Nevertheless, it is such a blessing to be here with you and worship together. I titled the message, Old Folks, Widows, and Church Leaders. Old Folks, Widows, and Church Leaders. Somebody told me that you should very carefully select your first statement because subconsciously, subconsciously this is true, we all decide how much uh, mental capacity we're going to give. That all happens subconsciously, often within the first minute. That's why, you should, that's why we err when we start with an apology. But I struggled with the title because I thought maybe that could be a little bit uh, old folks, widows, and church leaders. Well, I'm going to suggest that the way you relate to those three groups says a lot about you. And I'm going to take it one step further and say it says a lot about your depth of Christianity. That's probably a little strong, but after studying, that's my conclusion. There is an entire chapter in the Bible that is devoted to those three groups. And I'm actually going through this exciting book at Waterworks, and this book is definitely one of my treasures. It's kind of my go-to book when maybe I'm discouraged, especially in leadership things. There's a go-to book that I have. And some of you might know the book that I'm going through, but before I tell you the book, I want to tell you a story. There was an ad in the London newspaper one time, and the ad went like this. Wanted, men for a hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Thousands of men responded to the ad. Would you? Because it had been signed by Sir Ernest Shackleton. And that's what made the difference. And if you don't know about him, read him sometime. He's a legend explorer, remembered for person remembered for his perseverance. If Jesus ran the ad, it would probably go something like this. Men and women wanted for a difficult task to build the church. You'll often be misunderstood. Even by those that you may be trying to help, you will face constant attack from an invisible enemy. 
You will likely not see results from your labors. Don't expect full rewards in this life. It will likely cost you home, ambition, comforts, and possibly your life. There was a young man that didn't read this ad, but he responded to that per se. His name was Timothy. So you can open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's an amazing book written by Paul. It was designed to encourage Timothy personally. It gave specific instructions for uh, the church, church duties, appeal, and, and various appeals are scattered throughout the book. It's called a pastoral epistle. It's, there is a burden for the church, care for the church, advice for the church, wisdom for the church, and all those points for specifically for leaders woven all through this beautiful book of 1 Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy. And the reason I'm sharing this message is because it is precisely where I'm at in my study going through uh, 1 Timothy at Waterworks. Months ago, I decided to, I chose this book, and I'm convinced the Lord laid it on my heart specifically for the the time frame of Waterworks. And we were talking about an ordination, uh, planning for an ordination. So uh, at least for me, it was a very healthy study. Uh, every week we'd go to this, every time I would preach, we'd go to this book, and it was a reminder, ordination coming, ordination coming, leadership coming, leadership's important, and it was good for me, and I think it was good for the, co- for the congregation. So uh, that's the, the purpose of 1 Timothy 5 this morning. Maybe just a few comments about leadership. Kind of my introductory thoughts as, I, as we introduce the thought about the book. The older I get, and I'm not very old, I found that out in my Sunday school class. I had the right one. I did not. I did not know that the age, there was the age. The classes were age sensitive. I looked around. Huh, I scored. I got the right one. The older I get, I am discovering that leadership is so important. So important. I will quote a wise old man who I have drank at his fountain. Just devoted his life, I would say pretty much devoted his life to service and helping people. I remember him saying, with a burden on his heart, he said, it is the tendency of all organizations to go liberal. Now, I know that's a dangerous term, okay? But we all knew what he meant. And the way I would define liberal is departing from biblical values. That's the tendency of all organizations. And then I remember sitting in a class and seeing picture after picture after picture after picture of uh, of an organization that started out with biblical values. And today, there's hardly a trace of biblical values there. But there was a timeline of Pictures of board members, pictures of staff, pick, and the progression. And I just remember, and that coming from an old man, it did something to me. And then that same man said, there are times, and he was addressing some of the younger men, he said, there are some times where you may be called to throw yourself 
on the train tracks to stop the train from departing from biblical values. And I just, I just never forgot it, and I never will. Introductory thought, leadership is so important. And I really appreciate over the years here, other places, the, the constant prayer for leadership. And that's a tremendous blessing. Case in point, we began attending here in the early 90s. And I don't plan to do a history. This is not a history lesson, but some of you are old enough to remember. There are men that worked very, very hard right here to just try hard to pull, steer the train towards biblical values. And I so, so, so appreciate those men. Leadership's so important. So I think the clear theme in 1 Timothy is in chapter 3. Chapter 3 of uh, verses 14 says, These things I write unto you, hoping to come to you shortly, but if I tarry long, that you may know how you oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So I think that's kind of the theme of the whole book. Paul says, I want to come, but if I don't get there soon, here's, how you know, here's, here's a couple nuggets so you can behave yourself wisely. In other words, take good care of the church. Leadership is so important. Uh, maybe just one background fact on Timothy. Young man up in Asia Minor, was it Lystra, I think the church was, was one of the church that Paul stopped in on and on his, on his missionary journeys, and Paul noted the one young man, Timothy. So he talked to the elders, and everybody in the church says, yes, he, he would do well with you. And if you study uh, Paul's, the conditions Surrounding Paul's ministry trips, it kind of took quite a man to uh, go along with Paul. And that's kind of why I gave the, the story at the beginning about Sir Ernest Shackleton's ad in the London newspaper. But it just blesses me every time I read about Timothy, the young man in a church with a tremendous report. And they gave him, they, they gave, the church gave very good counsel. And Paul took him along, and Paul and Timothy served very, very well. Paul would send him to various churches. That's the context right here. He's pastoring at the Ephesus church, and, he, and I think he had some very difficult tasks on hand. And Paul is giving him advice. I'm guessing Timothy was a little timid. He seemed to be young, and he definitely had a few medical issues. So Paul wrote some, uh, some of these beautiful nuggets to Timothy. Uh, if you want, if you want a real rough outline to the book of Timothy, chapter one divides nicely in three points: teach sound doctrine, proclaim the gospel, and defend the faith. That is dripping through the whole first chapter, along with many other things. Chapter two: prayer, the importance of prayer in the church, and modesty, and roles of men and women. That's the three. Points that are drove home in chapter 2. Chapter 3, 
qualifications for leaders, bishops, deacons, and then the glory of the church. And I never saw those two linked together uh, like I did when I went through this. It was, it was so refreshing. The end of chapter three is about the beauty and the glory of the church. But prior to that, and a prerequisite, is the qualifications of church leaders. Chapter four, preaching, practicing, and progressing in the word. It's all, of, and that's for all of us. Preaching the word, practicing the word, and progressing. In other words, not staying at one place. And here we are today, old folks, widows, and church leaders. That's what chapter five is all about. Chapter six is good too. Servants, troublemakers, the rich, and the educated. That's who he addresses in chapter six. So I did not get there in... in uh, in, in preaching yet, but here we are in chapter 5, that's why you're getting it. Verse 1, chapter 5, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Old folks, I'm tempted to say raise your hands, <laughs> but I won't. Anybody older than you, right? is an older folk. I guess I got one word, just one. You want to guess? Respect. Some cultures do much better than America in this. Go to Thailand. Those of you that have been in Thailand, don't, isn't the, 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 the bow sensitive to your age? I think it is, the, so it's, it's kind of, I got to, how, how do you get used to this? You know, sweaty cop, sweaty cop. But somebody told me that the, the older you are, the, the lower the, especially the children are supposed to go. Really? But, but woven into that is a respect. We talk to each other uniquely. This thing of trash talk has really surfaced, right? Anybody in the trash talk? Don't raise your hand. Trash talk is bad enough. I'm probably guilty of it myself sometimes, you know, on the job, people you know really good and just uh, having a good time. Trash talk to elders is totally unacceptable. It's one thing to say, what's your problem? You know, really. Would you say that to an older folk, an elderly man? What's your problem? Just remember, older folks have gleaned wisdom while we were still in our pampers, right? Don't ever forget the the wisdom and life experiences that those older than you have. The Bible says don't rebuke them. Oh, by the way, this word elder is age sensitive. It's, uh, it's, it's different than a church elder. Okay? We'll get to that at the end. Are old folks beyond rebuke? No. They may need to be entreated. 
Paul's telling Timothy, just be careful how you handle a situation. I, I, I wonder if there was an older person in the church that was being a problem. And he was telling Timothy, just be careful how you do it and treat him like a father. And by the way, I'll, I might forget to say it, father and mothers, it's implied that they're treated with respect. In, in these two verses, it's kind of elder women as mothers. It's, it's just assumed that a father and a mother are respected and honored. That's just assumed. So Paul's telling Timothy, just don't rebuke. This is real to me. I forget what year it was, but I was age 20, 28, 27 or 28. Not a white hair shining through at all. And I was pastoring a church in another country. And there was an a man probably in his 60s. An old, I would have said he's an old man back then, but now I would say not very old. And he, there was a woman that was uncomfortable with his behavior. Whether he was guilty or innocent, I don't know. But there was an agreement that somebody must talk to him. And I will never forget walking out on a little pier, jutting out into the bay of La Souce. We walked out there and just strolling and boom, boom, my heart's beating. And I wonder what would have happened. I said, what's your problem? I said his name. I said, can I share something with you? And I wish I could say, oh, it went so well. But when I read, rebuke not an elder, I get it. And I just, just want to lay, lay that out. The older I get, the more respect I have for those that have uh, age. I was going to mention hair. There's a, there's, a verse in, there's a verse in the Bible that says, I, I, I didn't look it up, but something about the hoary head. If it's, give, if, if it's applied to wisdom, something like that. I know a lot of older folks that may have gray hair, that have not lived a life of godliness, that don't have a lot to offer. Bluntly stated, show me a man that has lived a life of godliness and the fear of God, and he's got a, he, he's got a head of gray hair, or maybe it's gone by now. We need to lend an ear. Old folks, treasure your time with them. I mean, I'm, younger folks, treasure your treasure time with, with older folks. Then the verse 2 spotlights on, on, on women and treating them like mothers. And I hope you caught the assumption that they, fathers and mothers are treated with respect. I think I'm going to leave the, leave the point enough said. Uh, I'm going to summarize. And, and children, listen up. I know you had an excellent children's lesson of being thankful. Can I add one more? Children, if you learn to respect your parents, the Bible says it'll be well with you. That's a promise. You got that? That means if you don't, it won't be well with you. It won't. You're going to have really, really tough times in life. Really tough times. 
So children, learn well, respect, honor your parents. And I would say all of us, if we get the principle as a child, we'll carry it into our youth, we'll carry it into our early 20s and our 30s, and I'm telling you, it'll be well with us. I didn't say we'll all go to heaven just because you respect people. But you'll be saved from a lot of trouble. That's the first commandment with promise. Moving on. Number two. Well, there's an insert there about purity. And I, I don't think I'm going to go into that. I, in uh, chapter two, there's, a, there's a, quite a few verses on modesty. So I don't think I'm going to go into it here, except that it's very important in church life. Very, very, very important. Probably Timothy had to deal with, a, with, some, with some ladies, sisters. And it was so important that caution is taken, that there's no room for uh, misunderstandings or accusations. Or, and and men, have a, men have a very big part of this, and so do women. With all purity. Okay? Number two, widows. I debated reading these. This is, a, this is a big section of verses that I'm just going to kind of pull out a few things. I, de- I was going to skip over reading it, then I discovered that it takes about one minute and 30 seconds, and I thought, you know what? It's probably worth one minute and 30 seconds. Here we go. Join me in verse 3. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have a nephew or... If any widow have children or nephews, that could be grandchildren, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requit their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now that now she that is a widow indeed is desolate, trusts in God, continues in supplications and prayers day and night and day, but she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. For if any provide not for his own, and especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore or sixty years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, and if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, but the younger widows refuse. For they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. Having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And withal, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies speaking things they ought not. I will therefore that younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give non occasion to. to the adversary to speak reproachfully, but some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believes have widows, let let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. And I'll turn it over to Leon to come and expound on that. That's how I feel. It's probably a reason that I've never preached in this passage. Taught on it one time, asked to go to a visiting church years, years ago. I don't know, 30 years ago or so, maybe more. 
And I remember sweating through these verses. I wonder how, wonder how it went. I, all I remember is I didn't have my notes, and I was Joyce was driving, and I was rewriting my notes on the way to the church. So I don't have any, any uh, good notes in my file. It's a very difficult passage. It, it is really difficult. Let me say this. I'm not going to unpack the verses. Don't have time. Don't intend to take the time. But going through a book chronologically, you can't escape the verses. There they are. What does it mean? How can we apply it? What principles can we learn? Number one, widows are a very important part of the church. Always was, always will be. Acts 6, the church did not neglect them. Ordained to help for them. It's... It's a big deal. That's why I said, your attitude towards these three subjects says a lot about your depth. James says, pure religion and undefiled is this. In other words, the real deal, the pure stuff, nothing vain. The real religion, pure Visit the widows. And a few others. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. There's one I'm missing. But I'm highlighting the fact that it is so important. And it starts with honor. Honor widows that are widows indeed. That's the, that's the, the main theme. And honor has the, a monetary connotation. The word honor, it's kind of like the word if honorarium. Uh, that's, the, that's the package. Honor widows that are widows indeed. By the way, I don't think this is a, a, a thorough, complete manual for a church in every area for their widows. Okay? I, I think, and this is, care, I, I'm very careful to say this, but I do believe that there, this is, a historical account written right to some things that were happening happening in, in Ephesus. Okay? But from this, there are principles that apply universally. So, here we go. There's a few observations. There's, there's two types of widows that are, that are mentioned here. The one widow is in verse 5. She is... I mean, here's the picture. She is just crying out to God day and night, it says. In other words, she doesn't, she doesn't have what it needs. She's crying out to God, God, I need help. Day and night, supplications, prayers. The widow number First category of widow. Second category of widow is um, living in pleasure. And she's dead while she lives. And not too much is elaborated on that. And probably rightly so. But... Seems to me that there's two types. Another clear principle that I see is it's the family's responsibility, okay? It's so strong that in verse 8 it says, if any does not provide for his own, he is, he denied the faith and he's worse than an infidel. That's strong stuff. I don't know if I ever preach like that. If you don't do this, you're worse than an infidel. Whoa. Thanks, Paul. That's exactly how he said it. Principle, family has responsibility. 
And in verse 16, it says, if any man or woman have a widow, now how can a woman have a widow? Family. I don't know how the extent of the family, but I think the principle that's emerging through the scriptures is that uh, the family is to, to get on board. But we know that not everybody has a family. We know that. We know that everyone has diverse situations and there are people that don't have family. We met them. We know them. Then it seems to me that from this scripture is a qualification list. That seems a little unfair. I'm just saying. 60. That's what it says. 45-year-old widow. See you in 15 years. That, that, that's, why I, that's why I conclude that this, there are principles. This is not a complete widow manual. Maybe a gift, but well, we'll, get to the, we'll, we'll get to my assumption of the list. Uh, qualification, it seems there's a qualification list here, 60 years. History of faithfulness, I'm not going to delineate or define all of them. In, in summary, history of faithfulness to your family, your husband, and the church. And quite a bit of uh, subpoints under that. And then I see there's, there's reasons for not putting on the list. Uh, age, some dangers, if they do this, they might do this, and they might cast off the faith, and they might be idle, and they might... So that's kind of how I summarize that. And, yeah, like I said, I wrestled with this years and years ago, and here we are back through it, and I can't avoid it, so I just made some summaries and conclusions. I wonder if there was a, a, a system in place. Now, systems are good, but systems can be dangerous. If you, if you expect everything to be covered in a policy manual, I'm convinced that there was a system in place, and there was a list that included numbers. Commentaries seem to think that there were a lot of widows in Ephesus, whether it was because of previous wars or men lost in battle, or for some reason, commentators seem to think there may have been quite a few widows in Ephesus. And maybe, just maybe, there was word on the street that said, go down to Ephesus Christian Fellowship. They got a list. Get your name on the list, and you got your monthly check. And it's not bad. You can live in wantonness, and you can live in pleasure, and assumptions may be dangerous. I try to picture what's going on, why the, why the verses, why the points that we have. It seemed to me that they would go down to Ephesus Christian Fellowship and they would say, they would have to make a commitment. And the commitment would be something like this. I commit to follow Christ forever and I don't plan to ever get married again. You say, what? That's the only way I can explain verse, where is it? Verse 11. The younger widows refuse, for when they began to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. There's nothing, want, there's nothing about marrying and waxing wanton, right? At least I don't think so. Even for a widow to remarry, there's nothing about waxing wanton. Or, yeah, waxing wanton. In other words, just going cold, cold to Christ. 
I think they had to make some kind of commitment. And then maybe years later, they would be, they would kind of undo a commitment. And that's why there was probably some caution given to Timothy about age. Uh, like I said, I have so many questions about that. But anyway, they would make some kind of pledge and and it almost seemed to me like it may have even been unhealthy for them because it almost seemed to me that the, there, there's some steps there. Number one is idle. And then it goes from idle to tattling. And then it goes from tattling to busy bodies. And then it goes to speaking things they shouldn't. Now, I wonder if that's uh, what was happening like I said, I read this and I said, that is just so unfair. That's so unkind. That is so unkind to widows. And probably most of us don't know anything about this kind of practice because our hearts are very soft to widows and should be. But we do live in an era today where there's a lot of systems in place. And I'm not talking about church systems and I'm not talking about widow systems. I'm talking about systems that are taken advantage of. It's human nature. Ephesus, early church, 2023. So... Let me just again say, it is the church's responsibility to take good care of widows. The discernment process will probably always be sticky. It was in Act 6, seems to be here, probably is. Families are, are, have a responsibility. Let me just tell you a story before we move on to the, next, the last point. I heard about a little boy. He grew, when, he, when his dad was about 30, he died. And his mom was left with how are we going to survive? If I understand the story right, they didn't have a house. They didn't have a place to live. And they didn't have a lot of help. And the men of the church showed up. And the men of the church built them a house. And they built a house for the widow and the little boy. And the little boy watched this. And the little boy got down on his knees and he said, God... You sent those men to build my mommy and me a house. So when I get big, I'm going to build you a house, God. Today, that man pastors a church that is helping incredible numbers of people come to Christ. I like that story. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's faith. That's faith caught, faith taught, faith lived, faith reproduced. Our attitude towards widows has a lot to do with our faith. Lastly. So we talked about old folks, we talked about widows, and now we have church leaders. Let's read. Let the elders that well, rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And 
The labor is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an, not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses, that them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one, preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other men's sins, keep thyself pure, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before the judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also, the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Now, I'd be tempted to call on somebody else to uh, unpack these verses. That's the beauty of going through the scriptures. There they are, verse by verse, there's no dodging. So here's, here's my attempt to uh, pull out principles from the verses on attitudes towards church leaders. Number one, well, let me, let, me, let me just give you an umbrella. Three clear things. Number one, support them. Number two, hold them accountable, but careful. Number three, ordain them wisely. Okay, that's kind of my summary of the, of the uh, verses. Support them. What? Can somebody tell me what it means to give double honor? I am waiting to have that unpacked, that I can get it. Seems a little carried away, Paul. I mean, just really. Double honor. If they labor in the word and doctrine. Catch that. And catch that well. And I just heard it recently. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. I'd rather be outside. I think every church leader said, Amen. It is so important that church leaders labor and sweat in the word and in doctrine. And you find somebody that's doing that, it is imperative that they have double honor. I don't, don't ask me to tell you what it looks like. So what the scripture says. Balance, 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 right? There are two ditches, big ditches on this subject, and I don't like either ditch is terrible. One ditch is, he's a pastor. He's a, put him on the pedestal, and we as pastors hate it, right? Say amen, go ahead, say amen. We do, they won't say amen, but they do. I know it. The other ditch is, who, who does he think he is saying that? And pastors, deacons, bishops, they need friends too. Uh, the, 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 I just think it's so unfortunate when there's just a big schism 
or a, or a gap, I should say. But somehow in, the, in, in it all, that you, you, we, we can't escape. And this is only one passage. There are numerous other, other passages that talk about the honoring them and respecting them for their, for their labors. So support, honor. Se- second, uh, the second sub-point is financial support. This is a touchy one. Here we go. Don't muzzle the ox is the picture. Now, the, in the Old Testament, there would be an ox that would be tied to a circle, and he would be treading out the, treading out the wheat or the corn, and, and they wouldn't put a muzzle on it so the ox could eat everything that was... And that's the picture. Paul says, and then in the Corinthian letter, there's very clear uh, teaching to it, and Paul kind of says, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know? And uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say something about Myerstown Church. Okay, I pastored here for I don't know how many years it was, but it's wonderful years. And uh, I want to bless this church right here. I feel that this church here gets it. I I just want to I just want there there were times where I was just overwhelmed with your financial support. I just want to bless you. I hear snippets from here and there and hither and yon that it's different, and that's unfortunate. There are scriptures so clear. A, a, a man should be free to labor hard. Labor hard in the word. And you can usually tell when somebody labors hard in the word and in doctrine. Honor, support, second subpoint. They must be held accountable. There is no human being that is above, above reproach or above being accountable. And it is, the, the, the scripture is kind of, kind of clear. They, how does it say it? I should quote it. Well, first of all, it says, don't receive an accusation. In other words, be careful. Be careful. Are you aware that anybody that has responsibility wears a bullseye? You got that, right? Except the President of the United States. That was supposed to be funny. Everyone that holds authority and responsibility, I mean, has responsibility is just, and I, does, I shouldn't say, this is the President of the, is the, President of the United States, should he be held accountable? Yes. Should anybody be held accountable? Yes. But be very careful, because they were a bullseye. Let me go back to the man that I walked out to the pier with, and I said, brother, I want to talk to you. And it was so hard for this 27-year-old man to do. He could have easily went to his friend and just twi- eliminated one or two sentences, maybe said 10 sentences. And if he would have said five sentences verbatim, it could have made me look really, really, really bad. So the the scripture gives very clear warning. Don't receive an accusation except for two or three witnesses. I don't know exactly how to put that into into shoe leather other than just be careful. Be careful. When a leader is living in a constant state, they're not perfect. Every one of us will sin and we, we repent and we are sorry. When there is a constant state of sin, like one pastor recently decided that he enjoys 
the lady in the choir better than his wife, and he moved in with her, and the congregation didn't know what to do because he was the pastor. What are we going to do with the pastor? Modern-day story. Whenever somebody is living in a state of unconfessed sin or has latched on to heresy from a wrong source and is... And is they must be rebuked publicly. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like either. Paul, Paul did it to Peter. Peter latched on to something erroneous. He got back into some Gentile. It was heresy. And I don't know right what it looked like, but in Galatians, Paul says, I took Peter and I rebuked him publicly. <laughs> and Peter must have been a humble man and received it and said, I... So... Leaders must be held accountable. They are not above reproach. And thirdly, oh, they, they must be, there must be no prejudice, no partiality, and I won't try to unpack that. Ordain wisely. Be very careful. This leadership is so important. They must be qualified, chapter 3. They must be faithful. Don't do it hasty. I think it means two things about hasty. I think it means don't make the process, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to have a leader. I mean, we're going to ordain a leader tomorrow. I think it says don't do things quickly. Have a process. Think it through. Pray. Discern. Fast. And also I think it means don't do it quickly to a novice. Came to the Lord yesterday. Gave a credible testimony. And we're going to ordain him. I think ordain wisely. And then should I dodge the verse about wine? Should I? Apparently Timothy chose total abstinence, okay? Timothy was very careful about his testimony. Timothy didn't want one sip ever. But unfortunately, Timothy was living in a place where there was some bad water and his stomach wasn't agreeing with it. And he actually had to be coaxed to go ahead, Timothy. It's not a sin to take a little bit of wine, you're doing it for your stomach's sake. You're not in a restaurant and saying, yeah, I'll take a pina colada with it. The whole works, and I don't care who walks by. And Timothy was very, very careful and concerned. He actually had to be coaxed to take a little bit of wine for his stomach's sake, and he apparently did. So there's my... Uh, it's very sad when this verse is thrown at you, for a defense, for all in, all in on alcohol. That's a sad, that's a sad, sad day when that verse is, is taken that way. So, I think I'm coming to a close. Old folks, widows, leaders, what is your attitudes towards either each one of those groups? I, again, come back, circle back to the first statement. I really think that the way you answer those questions is very, very reflective on where I'm at and where you're at in our Christian life. Old folks, widows, church leaders. I did skip the last verse. I didn't mean to. Some of, I don't want to say some of you, some men's sins are opened up before they go to the judgment. That's what we want. Some men are going to the judgment and they're back hidden there under the rug and they're following 
They're following and they're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and the sins will follow them. I would suggest plan A instead of plan B. Let's all stand for a closing prayer. Father, your word is rich, your word is right, your word is true. Help us to understand clearly your word and apply your word in a way that produces godly living and true evangelical faith. Bless this dear congregation at Myerstown and make them all a blessing in their specific callings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.